Do you ever wake up in the morning and you're like, wow, I get to do this? I wake up in the morning and ask myself, like, why do my knees hurt so much walking down the stairs? <laughs> no, you don't. I just don't. need to get to the kitchen to make <laughs> no, the coffee. <laughs> Please, God, help okay, me Okay, John, I was steps. going for something really deep and emotional <laughs> and meaningful from you, not that your knees crack. I, you know, I um, figuratively wake up in the morning and, and do pinch myself a little bit and say, I you know, this you is, I get, I really get to, to work with some great people, yeah. you know, um, I'm really excited to, to see what Koi and I can do mm -hmm. uh, with the association. And for me, um, what's really cool is my goal is not to create this amazing climate change program at ASID. Okay. My goal is to connect. It is said that if you measure it, it will improve. But it still takes action. From energy and water to carbon, health, circularity, and social, our industry has unsung heroes who move the needle in these impact areas every day. Join me as we meet these iconic individuals putting their heart and soul into their work for the betterment of our planet and the benefit of others. From Ecomedes and Mortar, I'm Jen Levison, and this is Impact Icons, an Imagine a Place production. You came back. You came back for episode two. I told myself I wasn't going to start like that, but who am I kidding? I am joined by the absolutely delightful John Strasner of ASID and Break Some Dishes fame. John is the Chief Sustainability Officer at the American Society of Interior Designers and co-host of the Break Some Dishes podcast with the always lovely Verda Alexander. And John is one of our 2022 Impact Icons. My conversation with John is like overhearing two friends having coffee, which I love. John shares his tips on how to do business with friends, why sustainability isn't enough, and how we just have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Because like John says, if we're not constantly evolving, what are we doing? So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Thank you for being my guinea pig. Numero uno. I know. Well, we could call it zero or one. I'm the net zero. Net zero. Patient X. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where it all began. No, they said that you would be a great first one because you've been through this before. That's a lot of pressure. I know. I know. And they said that you would be so kind. I'm just going to stand out of your out of your way. But it's <laughs> it is very cold here in your shadow. <laughs> So I don't know if you remember this, but the first time I met you was in New York. It was for ASID's Gather Conference. Yeah. You were still with Human Scale. Yep. And you gave a tour of the showroom. You and Abby. And, uh, yep. Abby and I yeah. were there. And yep. this big storyteller. And it was just, I'd never met anyone like you in a role like yours for a company before. And it was so fascinating, your storytelling and your connecting. And the fibbing. All the fibbing. It I was did. not fibbing. <laughs> it was not fibbing. It was awesome. Yeah. There were chapters upon chapters of stories. Well, it was funny. Meeting you two, because then mm -hmm. I feel like after we met, 
we just kept running into each other, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like you're, you know, when you see a car on the road, then you're like, I think I want to get a Volkswagen. And the next thing you know, you see Volkswagens everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was so- like, I met Abby and Jen, and now by God, I'm seeing them everywhere. And they I keep go. popping up. They just and they keep, keep popping, popping up. up. How many of them are there? I thought they were just the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun. Yeah, yeah. So I think one of the threads that I've picked up on throughout the time that I've known you and the different careers that you've had is the connecting the people and the connecting and, you know, what you did at human scale, what you're doing at ASID, what you're doing on breaks and dishes is just that storytelling and bringing people together for the betterment of others and whoever you can share that with. Mm -hmm. Do you see that as well? Yeah. I, that, you know, if you were to ask me, what, what is it that you love to do? I would tell you that it's connecting. I love to connect people and, um, it's sort of an intuitive reaction mm-hmm. for me. If I meet somebody, I'm almost always going, oh, you know who you should meet. Yeah. I'm going to introduce you. Yeah. Right. And then I get tremendous satisfaction in following that and, and mm-hmm. seeing what comes of that intro, uh, that introduction. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and you do it so genuinely too. There's nothing superficial about it. it. There's yeah. nothing superficial about that. And, and you, you pick up on, you pay attention when you talk to people mm-hmm. and you talk to, I don't know how many people you talk to in Anybody a given day. Listen. Well, I know, but Anybody. you pay attention to all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're not struggling to remember first names. You pick up on these nuances of people and then you remember past conversations and you connect and they're really meaningful, yeah. helpful conversations. So, yeah, that, you know, it's, I don't know how you can be engaged professionally without establishing personal mm-hmm. connections with people. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that for me, when I first started in this industry, um, you know, I was getting to know architects and designers and and really trying to spend time with them not only to understand what they do and to have empathy with what they do but but to understand the value proposition that that my company had for them right how mm-hmm. do i position that in a way that it's valuable did you start with human scale uh, yeah yeah human scale yeah i started with them a long time ago i think it was like mm-hmm. 1996 and you know was we that were, your first entry into the industry that's how we got into this industry okay yeah we didn't know anything about it yeah it was we we just sort of felt our way along and, and made it up as we went but mm-hmm. but um you know for me the goal was was always eventually to feel as though i'm doing business with friends mm-hmm. you know yeah. that's that's where i want to be have you always been like that? Um, yeah, I've always been like that. I really have. I've always been um, social. I've always been a bit of a, an extrovert. I mean, sometimes I feel like an introvert, but I think overall I'm, I'm pretty extroverted. Mm-hmm. So now um, another thread throughout your career is this passion for our planet, passion for climate health, sustainability. I know I learned yesterday you don't like that word. Mm. But that passion, too, has been another thread. And, and one of the reasons that you were nominated by our industry, by your peers, for our inaugural Impact Icon Award. And I'd love to know more about where that passion started from. Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, you know, it's such it's so flattering, you know, to be recognized by you guys. because It's just um, I feel like somehow we rigged it. But but it you know, I'm not complaining. About good. It. Yeah. it wasn't. But good. Don't complain. Uh, yeah. The. I'll tell you, you know, it's funny, the the passion for, and the reason why I don't like sustainability Mm -hmm. is because I think that where we're at today 
and we look at what we're trying to do, if anybody is just trying to sustain, you are missing the mark. Like we shouldn't be sustaining. We should be regenerating, rebuilding, fixing. We should not be to me, I get it. Sustainability, you know, refers back to keeping an ecosystem, sustaining an ecosystem. But mm-hmm. I know when I walk down the streets, right, if somebody, a friend says, hey, John, how are you? You know, how's, how are the kids? How's the family? And I, I think if my response was, well, you know what, they're all sustainable. Like, I'm just, how are you guys getting by? Well, you know, we're sustaining. Is that really your responsibility to your family to sustain your family? Or do you want your family to thrive, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so I think I get the use of sustainability. Like we need a word that everybody can can understand what we're talking about. Sure. So when I say sustainability, you know right away what I'm talking about. But what I really should be talking about is climate crisis, right? Because mm-hmm. that's kind of where we're at. Mm-hmm. Well, I think yesterday you mentioned too that there's so many different facets to sustainability. So mm-hmm. like, what, what are you talking about when you say that word? And yeah. what do you mean? It's not very clear, which yeah. is a whole other can of worms. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's it, that's one reason why it's such a difficult topic for us because mm-hmm. people are like, well, like, what the hell do I focus on? Mm-hmm. You know, is it recycling? No, that's a farce. Okay, cancel recycling off the list of things to do. Is it is it plastic? Is it is it carbon? Like, what, what do I focus on, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, my passion for um, climate crisis and, you know, the other thing is that when we say we got to save our planet, that's kind of a daunting mm-hmm. project, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. I'm just thinking about catching my flight this afternoon. I don't want to miss it. Like, that's number one on my list of things to do. Yeah, Saving the planet has got to be up there, but you know we're all so overwhelmed with life. How do we save the planet on top of that? You know, mm-hmm. um, and I really got, I think, involved and, and passionate about the environment during my time with Human Scale. When I had an opportunity to um, work really closely with Jane Abernethy, who, sure. who's their chief sustainability mm-hmm. officer, and really learned a lot from Jane. And Jane was really working on the program and on the initiatives. And she was really focused on how do I change an organization. She was definitely an, an agent of change. And mm-hmm. and my job was to sort of take what she was doing and crystallize it into a conversation for the industry so that we could say, these these are the things that we're doing, you know? Yeah. Um, and as I did that, I really sort of started to get into the weeds. And that's where my passion grew. Um, I was a part of, I, I was fortunate enough, Human Scale joined a, um, a collaborative called Next Wave Plastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I got to meet other people that weren't just wringing their hands or complaining, but they were like finding ways of fixing. And what they did, what Next Wave did was focus on one problem. Like we have a problem with ocean-bound plastic. And so we're going to do something about that. Sure. And their metaphor was, you know, the bathtub is overflowing. Don't pick up a bucket and start bailing. Find out where the faucet is and turn it off, you know? Yeah. And so that was ocean-bound plastic. That was sort of their um, their action. Did your interest, um, you know, and your excitement for the work that you all were doing at Human Scale, did that surprise you? Did it catch you off guard? You're like, oh, hey, wait, you know, like that passion to learn and kind of stumble into something. You know, it, I'm ashamed that that it wasn't more top of mind for me early in my career. You know, if, okay. you, if you ever got a do-over for me, I know, you know, where my do-over would be because now knowing what I know about our climate and how fulfilling it is to be able to be involved in the conversations around 
you know, what we can do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, at, you know, at the time, this conversation for everybody, I think, is a journey. Yep. You know, you you learn about it constantly, and every day it changes and it shifts. Um, and so you're constantly evolving on this journey, you know. And mm-hmm. I think when I was with Human Scale, you know, Bob King is the founder and the CEO, and he was really passionate about, at the time, animals. Okay. So we were doing a lot of work with World Wildlife Fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and the focus was on habitats. You know, how do we preserve these habitats? How do we save these endangered species? And then it kind of evolved to, oh, my God, look at the product that we're making and that we're putting into the environment. And what are we making it out of? And we don't have any idea about our supply chain. And so I think that's what Jane really, being an industrial designer, she kind of understood, okay, we got to figure out our supply chain. Mm -hmm. And then that flipped a switch for me. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, it, it really is all about the materials and what they're doing to not just like our planet and our landfills, but what they're doing to us. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to eat a desk to get sick from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember a conversation that you and I had had um, about the idea of like, you look at a chair and it's worn. Where, where has that gone? What has that done? What's the impact of that? And, yeah. you know, and just the opportunity to have those conversations where your eyes are open to something you haven't, you didn't know about or the impact of and you know, the idea of like once you've learned something you can't unlearn it mm-hmm. and what do you do with it next so yeah yeah no or you see an instagram ad for you know a line of clothing that repels anything that you spill on it mm-hmm. and you're like my god what did they coat those pants with mm-hmm. that you can spray ketchup on them and it just rolls off the material it's like that is against your skin your mm-hmm. skin is but, but you know we don't ask that question we're more excited about the fact that ketchup doesn't stain the pants <laughs> you know and and then you get into this whole rabbit hole it's like not only are you putting a horrible substance on a textile that's pressed against your skin all day long but you know there are people out there that are making that mm-hmm. there are people out there that are working in a factory mm-hmm. surrounded by that textile mm-hmm. that's covered with that horrible chemical mm-hmm. you know and i think i also got into that boy you know looking at the toxic substance control acts and trying to understand what sure. those are supposed to be doing and the chemical industry you know and then that sort of the chemical industry then i realizing that all this stuff that's causing all these problems they're all petroleum based like almost every one of these toxic substances these chemicals are are petroleum based you know and and then where are these refineries where are they set up well, they're of course they're set up along all these these fence line communities the the, the poor the disadvantaged the disenfranchised they're the ones that have refineries in their backyards so yeah. for me you know i think i kind of evolved from this this wow, we're putting all this plastic in the ocean. What an ugly mess that is, the mm-hmm. great Pacific garbage patch and you know yeah. and then it evolved from well Actually, you know, we have a social equity condition here, right? Mm-hmm. The, the people that are really affected by our our misadventures are, are the poor and the disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just crazy. Um, we have such a systemic problem, right, that you have to tackle it 
in so many different areas. Mm-hmm. So your knowledge is evolving in this. You're learning about the impact in so many different areas, you know, in climate and water and social and all of this. And your career is evolving. You've gone from human scale into ASID yeah. and the director of partnerships there. And and so you've leaned into that connecting, but how did you continue to lean into your climate work, your climate health work, your sustainability work? How did you continue to do that in your role at ASID? I had, you know, Gary Wheeler has been our CEO for the last two and a half years, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. working with Gary was a gift that I'll always treasure. And so Gary really gave me opportunity to continue to side hustle with with climate, right? Yeah. I came to Gary. It was a side hustle. It was a side hustle. Yeah, yeah. And Gary kind of let me do it. Um, But I came to Gary a couple of years ago and I said, Gary, why, why doesn't ASID have a sustainability statement. He said, well, they do. I said, no, I really looked around on that website. (laughs) It's not there. (laughs) And so Gary's like, yeah, you're right. We don't really have a sustainability statement. Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you, I'll let you work on that, you know? And he kind of set me free to, to, to work on that. And Mm -hmm. I realized really quickly, you know, this is where we go back to connecting, which is Mm -hmm. something I love to do. You know, it gave me an opportunity to reach out to uh, one of my best friends, Ken Wilson. Ken, here's what I want to do. You know, Ken was sitting on our board of, on the national board of directors at ASID. So Ken and I started working on it. Ken's like, we got to bring David Cordell in. I was like, mm-hmm. we got to bring Linda Sorrento in. So we started to sort of handpick our little varsity team, you yeah. know, um, and got that committee going. Um, the committee under David's leadership has been tremendously productive. We've mm-hmm. gotten so much done, more than I thought we would get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really by Gary kind of giving me that little push in the right direction, it, it let me continue to develop this. Had it not been for that, you know, my friendship with Verda Alexander, you yeah. know, and our podcasting has certainly been fulfilling and it's sort of given me an outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been you know, a lot of fun. Um, you know, we're two years into that. Mm-hmm. Why did you think it was important and necessary for ASID to have a sustainability statement? Well, I mean, you know, we're a member-based association and, mm-hmm. you know, we should be leading thought mm-hmm. and idea in mm-hmm. the industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of um, tough subjects out there that the design profession needs to put a stake in and say, this is what we think about this. And that's our job as an association is to lead those conversations and say, you know, we as designers, this is how we feel about this. And we as a member-based association are going to do something about it. And this mm-hmm. is what we're going to do about it. And you, if we don't do that, then we stand around and wait for somebody else to take that. Mm-hmm. from us mm-hmm. and you know that's something that uh, I think Gary was 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 a, a, a tremendous leader on was saying hey we need to take um, the lead in some of these conversations and, and designers need to own it and they shouldn't let somebody else speak for us mm-hmm. I mean we all know we've all talked about all the the impact that you know embodied carbon has on the environment and how much embodied carbon is in the built environment and how much you know furniture and everything that we put into these spaces um, mm-hmm. And just how how much of an impact we have and how Mm -hmm. careful we have to be now. Mm -hmm. So um, ASID has a responsibility not not only to to make a statement on it, which can be um, a little symbolic, but but more importantly, to create 
a movement behind it mm-hmm. and get membership mm-hmm. behind it mm-hmm. and show the industry that there are things that you can do. It's yeah. not a problem that's too big to solve. Yeah. We don't want to overwhelm people. We don't want to scare people away. But we want everybody that's a part of ASID to feel like you know they want to make an, make a difference here. No, I loved um, some of the conversation during Break Some Dishes Roundtable yesterday with your Climate Health and Equity Committee. Um, I think David Cordell said, you know, he it isn't it is overwhelming. It's it's a large large problem with lots of facets. But he's excited and honored to play the role that he does in it. I mean, I'm constantly amazed at the depth of impact that designers have on our world. Mm. And it's not just the client that they're they're working for or the occupants of the space that they're designing, but it's the community around them. It's the kids that live next door that go to school there. And it's mm-hmm. just, it gives me goosebumps to think about that impact. And so for an organization, association like ASID to, to give language to their members to start talking about an issue like this, because sometimes... You know, not having the language, you you could be hesitant to dive into a conversation because it is a deep, deep conversation. There's a lot of data. There's a lot of a lot of big words that people don't necessarily go to school for. Um, but for an association yeah. to give language to that, give tools and resources, um, because it's the culmination of a lot of little actions that can make that big impact. And when you think about the impact that the industry has on our world, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. So it's very impressive to see the work that your organization is doing and that your volunteers are leading. I mean, they are full-time employed elsewhere Mm -hmm. with big projects and they're taking that time to do that work and to come together and provide those resources. So your committee has been in existence now for Two couple years, years, couple, yeah, of years. couple of years. So what is, what's next? What are you working on creating? I think, um, I think that Koivo is our new CEO mm-hmm. at ASID. And yep. the first thing Koi did was said, hey, listen, I want to make you our chief sustainability officer. Hey. You know, so I'm, that's, you know, a dream come true to be able to really focus on it now. Did you, was that a dream? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be able to, yeah, to, to be able to take on a role like this, yeah, um, and try to feel like I can, I can make a difference with, with, with ASID behind me is mm-hmm. just, it's really exciting. Had you ever said that out loud? So at, at um, Mortar and Ecomedias, we have what we call big hairy audacious goals or BHAGs, if you will. <laughs> Did you ever? Was that a goal of yours? Did you say like I, John, want to be chief sustainability officer sometime I somewhere? Don't, I don't think I ever said I want to be chief sustainability officer, but I had made a decision that I was going to begin to devote more of my time to it. And when did you make that decision? Um, I think I made it about, um, I bet I made it about a year, maybe not quite a year ago where I said, you know what, I'm going to, um, I need to just start focusing on this. And I, I started looking into, um, you know, different associations and things. Mm-hmm. And I really just wanted to, be a part of that nonprofit community mm-hmm. um, that was devoted to the environment and saving the environment um, in some way, whether yeah. it was through social equity. Um, so I really started looking at it. You so know. you wanted it to stop being such a side hustle. Yeah, yeah. I was ready for it not to be such a side hustle. And mm-hmm. and I think the challenge with this conversation is that, you know, we can't wait for experts to weigh in. Right. Um, you know, and too often we think, I don't know enough about yes. this. Yeah, I no, that's the whole it. hesitancy to have the conversation to begin with. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what we do on Break Some Dishes is yes. we have conversations with mm-hmm. really smart people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they do 
talk over our heads sometimes, and we're like, okay, we get it. You're making foam from algae. You you don't have to go into the chemical composition right now with us. Leave that, uh, yeah, the periodic table, just leave it under the desk. But... And then we take it and we're like, okay, we're we're actually kind of dumb here, but we get it, right? And then I I don't know how dumb you really are though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we we take that conversation and we try to amplify it. And we basically try to say you don't have to be an expert to stand up and and talk about it. Like everybody should feel like they can talk about it. Yes. You shouldn't gatekeep it. You know, I think that's Kids are talking about it, and you know what? If kids can talk about it, then the grown-ups need to start talking about it. Yeah. So um, that's, I think, what's really been exciting about about the podcasting mm-hmm. is to um, surround ourselves with experts and and talk with these people that are experts, but mm-hmm. then um, amplify their voice in a way that we say, "Hey." We're, we're, we don't know what they're talking about, but it sounds kind of good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you ever wake up in the morning and you're like, wow, I get to do this? Um, I wake up in the morning and ask myself, like, why do my knees hurt so much walking down the stairs? <laughs> no, you I just don't. need to get to the kitchen to make <laughs> no, the coffee. <laughs> Please, God, was, help okay, me. Okay, John, down I was steps. going for something really deep and emotional <laughs> and meaningful from you, not that your knees crack. I, you know, I, um, I figuratively wake up in the morning and and do pinch myself a little bit and say, you know, this is, I get, I really get to to work with some great people, you know, Um, I'm really excited to to see what Koi and I can do Mm -hmm. uh, with the association. And for me, um, what's really cool is my goal is not to create this amazing climate change program at ASID. My goal is to connect and find those people that have amazing ideas, amazing opinions and thoughts. I just want to connect all those people and together they're going to create this program at ASID that is going to allow our members to practice in a way that has less impact, is more climate neutral, and will be in in the end more fulfilling for them. John. Because they'll they'll know that they're making a difference, John, and it's oh not my mine. Gosh. Yeah, it's just you know that to me. I think you know when everybody has hand in it, we've yeah. all created it, then we all have a vested interest yeah. in it. You know, yeah, and you have ownership not, and accountability. Yeah, yeah, you you know nobody wants to have somebody else put a program in front of them and say, okay, here are the directions, follow it. Right? We all should have a hand in that somewhere. So that's the that's the that's the North Star, you know. Yeah. And I've already, in the short amount of time that I've taken on the new role. Yeah, it's what been a month, not, not even. Probably not even. We announced it at our national conference yeah, gather. in Miami, mm-hmm. which was just a couple weeks ago. You yep. know, and I've already, you know, had people come to me. Oh, we're so excited to have you in this role. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to mm-hmm. you know, let me know if you need anything. And I'm always like, I know that people say that the same way they they say, "How you doing?" Like we don't really mean it, but. You said it, and you're going to regret it. <laughs> I'm going to write this one down. I'm going to come back at you. Yeah, and we're going to tap into you. No. So, there's just a lot of really smart people that mm-hmm. are associated with the uh, within the industry that we can tap into. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. I think industry is really lucky to have you. Well, that's very nice of you to say, Jen. Thank you. No, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I'm lucky to have this industry. You know, it's not a big. It's not a big industry. We, it isn't. You know, we get wrapped up it in isn't. it, you know, and we 
think it's this huge thing, but mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, and I think to me, the, the funny thing is we said this yesterday. Um, the challenge with this conversation is that it's the early adapters that have, that have always picked up the ball and carried it. Yep. And you feel that because once you get into this little ring, yeah. um, you keep running into the same people. And so yep. I think we need to get to a point where we don't keep running into the same people. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's great to run into the same people because you're like, oh, hey, how good are you? Good to see it's you. So good to see you How's again. Charlie? Yeah, keeping up the fight, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but we need to get to the point where it's like, oh, wow, I haven't met you before. I haven't met mm -hmm. you before. Like we need new people. Yeah. Right. And we're, we're getting them. You know, there's a lot of people that are, are you know, taking hold and, and joining. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we need to keep getting there. Yeah. Speaking of new people and, and joining the fight, um, can you talk a little bit about your work with emerging professionals and students? I mean, the next generation of the design profession and, and yeah. equipping them to be voices in this industry. We've talked a little bit about what this new kind of remote working culture is like, especially for new students starting out in the industry. And maybe all of their work is done over Zoom, and they're not in the office as much to make some of those connections that have been so important in, in your career and that you, you continue to do. And um, how are you approaching that? There's so much to unpack there. First of all, you know, the students are coming out of design school more passionate and more knowledgeable than we are. So mm -hmm. the last thing I'm going to do is tell them what to do. But what I can do is create a smoother transition for them or mm -hmm. a conduit for them or tools and resources for them. Um, and I look forward to doing that. But, you know, we, we're challenged because, you know, there's this guilt. Like, okay, so it looks like my generation failed on this one. So yeah. it looks like it's on you guys now. And it and it kind of is. We kind of need that next generation. It's like this equal guilt and frustration. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You're like, I wish we could have given you something better, but this is what you got. So mm -hmm. that's what we're working with. But, you know, it's funny. We just, um, Verda and I just interviewed a reporter for the New York Times who she's on, she's the climate beat reporter for mm. the New York Times. Okay. Talk about a dream job, right? Right. Um, and she just wrote this really cool article that um, I fell in love with. And the challenge is that, you know, um, we we struggle with this thing called eco grief. You know, we're, we're, what you just described. You know, mm -hmm. we're frustrated. We can't we can't do enough. We feel like you know. I feel like I start the day in, in a hotel room and I open up a package of soap that's been wrapped in plastic. And mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, shit. There's a piece of plastic. I'm gonna. What am I gonna do? What, what am I gonna do with it? Am I gonna put it in my pocket for the day? And eventually, mm -hmm. eventually, that little sachet. I'm going to throw it away. I'm mm -hmm. going to throw it away. And mm -hmm. I know I shouldn't, right? Mm -hmm. And we should always be asking ourselves, where do we think it's going to go? I know where it's going to go. It's going to go in the garbage. It's going to go in a landfill. The landfill is going to get flooded. The plastic's going to float to the top. It's going to go into a waterway. The waterway is going to flush it out into the ocean. And guess what? 
there it will go. It will break down into a microplastic, and it will get eaten by a fish or a turtle or something. I mean, that's the guilt that we, we mm-hmm. struggle with. And mm-hmm. at some point, you got to turn it off, and you just got to take the piece of plastic and throw it away and say, this is not my fault, what's happening right here, but mm-hmm. we need to do better. And maybe it's going to be federal regulation, and maybe it's going to be education, and mm-hmm. maybe who the hell knows, you know, there's going to be uh, technology that's going to break through and fix this problem. Yeah, but back to your question about the students and what um, this reporter talks about is, you know, people are tired of hearing about how the planet is burning, mm-hmm. and it can be really depressing and mm-hmm. frustrating. And there's a whole generation out there of these young people that are creating their own TikTok videos. Yeah, that, yeah. that is, it's you know, they're recording their efforts at at saving, and they're refusing to listen to all the naysayers out there about yeah. how and and they're just ignoring that and they're doing their thing yep. to make waiting. an impact mm-hmm. and the name of the article which is great it's it's okay doomer right so it's, <laughs> it's a play it's a yeah. play on that okay boomer yeah. it's like okay doomer right enough we we get it the planet the planet is burning but yeah. today i'm making a tiktok video of myself cleaning the beach yep and we're going to make that interesting and yep. and so that's the sort of stuff that you have to be able to do. And I think that young people today, you know, we need to support them. I worry that, you know, they're coming out of school, designers, um, and they're, they're climate-minded and they know what they want to do. But you know how that goes. You go into a firm and you're the low person on the totem pole and you don't have yeah. clout and you yeah. really just want to learn and yep. be accepted <clears throat> and do a good job. Yep. And is that the environment where you're going to stand up and say, hey, I think we should practice a little bit better? Mm-hmm. I don't – so there, there's some challenges there, yep. right? Yep. Um, you can't expect every young designer to stand up and say, I'm going to make a difference. Right. Really? You've been here for a week. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we always give them grief. We're like, oh, these young kids, you know, they get into these mm-hmm. firms and they expect to have, you know, the best position in the organization and they're going to have all this seniority. They don't want to work for it. You yeah. Know, we blah, 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 blah. Generational blah, issues. Blah, blah, blah. kids today. <laughs> right. So I think, you know, I, I, you know, I think that. ASID has a great Mm -hmm. student chapter program. We've got a lot of student members out there. And I think what we're going to really be able to do is tap into that that body of knowledge. How do we help them as emerging designers? How do we recognize their efforts? How do we encourage firms? to to see them and hear them yep you know so give them give them space for their voice yeah no let's i want to go back to your okay doomer comment um it seems like that either met or it spurred an interest in you to kind of stop talking about the problems and then talking to the people about the work that they're doing to change it like Mm -hmm. okay we've recognized that here is this problem Mm -hmm. but now instead of just rehashing the problem, what are you doing to fix it? And I've seen that shift. You've, you've talked about it, but you've seen that shift in you and what you're doing at ASID now in the new role with the committee, but also the conversations that you and Verda are having on breaks and dishes. And it's mm. like, I don't want to talk about the problem. I want to talk about what you're doing to fix it yeah. or your ideas to fix it. And yeah. it's just continuing to have those conversations across the entire sustainability world, you know, from climate and equity and water and energy and all and carbon, all of that. Yeah. 
So yeah. why do you think that's an important pivot to make? Yeah. Well, I, and I think, you know, everybody's journey is unique to them. Mm -hmm. It's a personal process mm -hmm. as you get through this. And, and for me, it really was um, an evolution of understanding that, yeah, we, okay, we all get it. We've got all these problems and there's so many contributors to the overarching problem, but there's a, an urgency. And so for me, I think it was almost like, okay, the priority right now is, is carbon. So we've got to deal with the carbon problem okay. globally. Um, and so what, is, what do we have to do about that, right? I, I'm not so much worried about how do we do a better job recycling. I get it. That's a problem. You know, it's funny because we had um, Jason McLennan on one of our earlier episodes oh, when with, we first in, got started. With I, he was with ILFI, he, right? He started ILFI. Yes. He yep. founded the International Living Future Institute, yes. Living Product Challenge, Living Building Challenge. Brilliant. Um, great guy. And, and Verda and I were kind of talking to him and we were like, I remember saying to him, you know, Jason, it's a, like, it's a big problem. Do you think it, is it better if we just identify what we want to fix and just focus on that? Like, what if I just want to fix recycling? I just don't think we're doing a good job with recycling. Can I just focus on that? And Jason was kind of funny about it. He's like, you know what? It is a big problem. And there's a lot of problems that that feed into it mm -hmm. but we don't have the luxury of cherry picking like we kind of have to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps here mm -hmm. put on your big girl big big boy undies <laughs> and be a big boy and big girl and yeah. just understand that it's overwhelming and if you want to jump into it it's going to be a little bit overwhelming but you'll figure it out you'll mm -hmm. figure it out and so i really took that to heart but i think Back to your question, you know, it's really this urgency. And I heard somebody say the other day, failure isn't not doing anything anymore. Failure is not doing it fast enough. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're so unaware of how bad things are. We think it's not as bad. We, th mm -hmm. we can't imagine that anything bad is going to happen to us. Nobody nobody really does, right? I have yeah. a really good friend of mine that got mugged in Mexico City once. And I remember this. He told, he told me somebody came up from behind him mm -hmm. and grabbed him in a bear hug and threw him down on the sidewalk and you know broke oh his shoulder oh and took goodness. his wallet and his watch and everything. But he told me that when somebody snuck up behind him and grabbed him like that, he laughed because his initial reaction was he thought a friend had snuck up behind him oh and was gosh. giving him a bear hug. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, and that's no. sort of the analogy that I use, or the, that's that's the storyline here, is that we don't think anything bad is going to happen to us. Yeah. And so we still have people out there that just can't imagine the temperature of our planet getting so warm mm. that sea levels rise and flood cities and do all these things that, you know, the doomsdayers, you know, the whole chicken little story. The oh, sky God. isn't <laughs> falling, chicken little. Well, maybe the sky is falling. falling. Maybe maybe it kind of is, right? Mm, John. So, you know, I think that's, that's, that's a big part of it, but it's the urgency for me. And so mm -hmm. now I'm like, how do we really, how do we, offset this carbon how do we capture this fugitive carbon yep. that's warming up our planet and yep. so now i'm a little bit more impatient okay and um you know now i'm thinking okay so how do we drive regulation how do we advocate for federal regulation how do mm -hmm. we get help at the federal mm -hmm. level because i'll tell you the reality this is the the cynic in me but follow the money okay it's 
it's the very, very wealthy mm-hmm. who leave the biggest footprint, okay, mm-hmm. with everything, right, travel. Yeah. I mean, if you really break it down, a very small percentage of our population generates a very large percentage of the carbon that we have to recapture. Yep. And it's inconvenient to change your lifestyle. It's inconvenient. And, you know, I'm saying this to you right now, understanding that I'm a hypocrite in some ways, right? We're all very fortunate. I jumped on an airplane to come yeah. out here um, to sit yeah. down with you. So, But I'm okay being a hypocrite. And if you want to call me a hypocrite, you can. It doesn't change the problem. Right. So the problem is that, you know, follow the money. As long as people with the money don't want to change their behavior, right, the politicians who regulate will always favor those with the money Mm -hmm. who can contribute, right? Mm -hmm. So you just think about, it's a real quagmire to go into, but you just think about what the oil companies are doing, right? How they're lobbying, like that. To me, that was one of my more recent revelations was, oh my God, where, where are the CEOs standing up saying, this climate crisis is real, like, where were the CEOs? We had the um, Inflation Reductionary Act pass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we had CEOs come out and say, I'm really in favor of this. This is great. And I'm like, well, where were you when they needed to get this passed? Yeah. So, you know, leaders need to step up. Yeah. And, and I get it. You know, if you're a CEO, you know, you're you're fortunate you're blessed with this amazing job and you're comfortable you're making a lot of money and maybe you take a corporate jet everywhere you go i don't know (laughs) and so maybe you're worried about being called a hypocrite but at the end of the day how bad is it to be called a hypocrite Mm -hmm. so it's tough it's a really it's and you know like i just did i just went down this deep dark rabbit hole of depression yeah if you're not careful you do that yeah then you have to turn around and you've got to say let's look at this person here that's doing something amazing. Let's look at this person here that's doing something amazing. And, you know, individual action mm-hmm. can't be ignored because, you know what, it's also therapeutic mm-hmm. to do something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to ca- connect those people and to amplify their stories. Force multiply. I have a really yes. good friend of mine, Auden Schendler, who we've, we've interviewed a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And Auden really talked to me about force multiplication. And he's like, you know, until you find a way to force multiply – you know, you really swimming upstream. But once you once you connect and you lock elbows and you start to move together, yeah. it makes a huge difference. Thank you, John. Thanks, Jen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Always fun to talk about this stuff. I hope I didn't depress you too much. No, no. It's <laughs> the little actions and the amplification of that and bringing people together and talking more about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. You know, you heard us talking over the weekend. I mean, over the last couple of days, you know, we're, yeah. we're still optimists. Yep. Right? So frustrated optimists. Frustrated optimists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shaking our fists. <laughs> Shaking my damn head. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on our impact icons, visit us at forum.mortar.com. From Ecomedies and Mortar, I'm Jen Levison, and this is Impact Icons, an Imagine a Place production. Thanks for listening. <laughs>